ArcelorMittal still works, so it was before the, 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 the local war, uh, it was owned by the government, so uh, ArcelorMittal bought the, the steelworks. It's a dominant uh, industrial operation in Zenica, and what uh, is the biggest concern is its proximity to the residential areas. And of course, it makes uh, a ma major contribution to air pollution. City Stories is the local actions podcast around energy and climate challenges. And in this episode, we'll learn about how a city with heavy industry can drive the energy transition. Today, I'm with Jakuta Imšerović from the city of Zenica, a coal and steel producer that lies right in the center of Bosnia and Herzegovina. So here we are in the Western Balkans, and let's have a look into the culture shift underway in Zenica to transform the city into a more energy efficient and healthy place. Welcome to City Stories, Yakuta. Can you quickly introduce yourself and share a little bit about your role in Zenica? Yeah, so hi to all the listeners. I'm Yakuta Imširović. I work as expert associate in, in Department for Ecology, Utilities and, and, and lo Local Communities in a City Administration, City of Zenica. So I, I was included in a lot of projects regarding environmental protection and climate change mitigation and all the, the projects regarding this area in, in the city administration. Okay, let's take the listeners to your city now. Personally, I've already traveled to Bosnia and Herzegovina, but I've never been in Zenica. So um, when I prepared the interview, I looked at some pictures on Google and I saw that the city is looks very green and is surrounded by the river Bosnia. So I saw also mountains in the background and quite some high-rise buildings that stick out. But then I also stumbled on some pictures where I see brick factory chimneys and in the background, like very blurry fume or, or dust in the air. Um, I know that Zenica is, is, has quite a heavy industry. So can you tell us how the industry has shaped and is still shaping your area? Yes, of course, air pollution is the major environmental issue in Zenica. So there are three main sources of air pollution, which is local industrial production, uh, energy generation and road traffic. So uh, air quality has uh, improved recently over the, the last few years, but uh, pollutants levels remain high, particularly PM10 and SO2. Uh, the uh, ArcelorMittal still works, so it was before the local war, uh, it was owned by the government, so uh, ArcelorMittal bought the, the steelworks. It, it's a dominant uh, industrial operation in Zenica, and what uh, is the biggest concern is its proximity to the residential areas, and of course it makes uh, a ma major contribution to air pollution. Uh, of course, there are some issues regarding the uh, national regulations uh, based on the uh, air quality levels and the emission levels. So emissions from energy generation come also from uh, large facilities, such as the coal-based uh, energy plant that is located in ArcelorMittal, but supplies energy to the city as well via district heating. So we also have a Zenica Hospital, which is Cantonal Hospital and is the second larger, larger sorry, polluter in the city. 
it has it has very old facility with lignified energy generation source. On top of that, due to all the um, system of, of district heating, uh, a lot of uh, consumers uh, quitted uh, from district heating source because our regulation uh, gives that opportunity. So a lot of uh, houses uh, make new sources of air pollution since uh, due to poverty, etc. People are burning coal at Okay, so that that makes quite a lot of uh, challenges for the city, and it sounds quite a paradox that uh, it's the hospital which is quite a big polluter and therefore creating um, big public health problems. How do you manage the shift towards cleaner energies? What do you do to reduce dependency on coal or to encourage residents to shift to, to cleaner energies? So we have very... Uh difficult role in in all of that because the uh, we as a city uh, as a local administration don't have any jurisdiction on the steelworks because it is on national level so uh, we we don't have any form of measures except pressure and lobbying uh, to trying uh, them to to reduce their emissions so we're doing what we can in some instances, we are fighting against the polluter and on, on other instances, we need to work closely with them. So one of the uh, example is that a very big uh, project, the Planet Zenitsa, uh, is supported by, uh, by EBRD. So uh, we, uh, because on the other hand, also the city uh, has uh, exceeded its, its borrowing capacity, so we don't have a lot of uh, money uh, for, for big projects. So we mm -hmm. created a joint venture company uh, between ArcelorMittal, uh, the city of Zenitsa, a Finnish equip equipment provider, Kappa Unicorn, and the Finnish government uh, development fund. So the, the current coal-based energy plant, uh, which supplies, as I uh, previously said, heat for the city's district heating network, uh, is uh, uh, also uh, ArcelorMittal uses it for its steel production. So uh, the 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 facility has a rated capacity of uh, 174 megawatts, but it's uh, actually quite limited to the 58 megawatts due to old equipment, etc. So uh, the, this the Plana project will replace this energy. Uh, plant uh, based on coal with the byproduct gases of steel production, coal carbon gas and blast furnace gas, and on additional natural gas, uh, its uh, rated output will be around 60 megawatts. So uh, due to uh, calculations via experts, uh, it will reduce, significantly reduce uh, air pollution in the winter months in, in Zenitsa. And of course, the fact that around 200, uh, thousand tons of coal will not be used in, in in the winter it's it's big by itself we are also trying to do soft measures and do, doing the strategy strategy for uh to forbid use of coal in the in the future so we mm -hmm. need to provide the, the residents the option so mm -hmm. in the areas that are not covered by district heating we're uh putting a natural gas pipes and uh we're planning to start incentive next year uh where we will uh co-finance the purchase of small boilers in private houses yeah 
That's interesting. I, I, I just wanted to ask actually what, because you're talking about energy production and the different energy sources that you're trying to put in place. What space is there actually for really small scale energy facilities? Because I understood that in Bosnia and Herzegovina, the energy sector is very much centralized. So how do you manage to, to bring in some new forms of producing energy in a more decentralized way? So in the former Yugoslavia, we were one of the first cities that implemented this heating uh, system. So it was good, very good. Uh, and uh, it, it was for the whole city and it was co-generation. What we learn now that is the best, like using byproducts or, or heat and other gases to create energy. Uh, 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 regarding the electricity, it's very centralized, so we don't have a big impact o on it. We're tr trying to motivate the people to invest in solar panels, etc. But uh, it's it's still, to be honest, at the beginning. So due to poverty, due to uh, the fact that we have a lot of losses in current energy use and production, so we put our emphasis on that. To, First, uh, spare the energy that we are losing and then to invest in production if there will be need for that. And is energy poverty actually an, an issue? Because you, you were just saying people are poor. So I guess this poverty also comes with energy poverty and people not being able to really uh, heat their homes in, in the right way during winter. Mm -hmm. I, I think that a lot of people are covered with this thing, especially because we in city of Zenitsa have uh, several incentives uh, to help people uh, buy wood for uh, that, that, that are in need. So we're doing that also. And uh, I think right now a lot of people on the basis that we are uh, in the, the developing country and that we don't have a lot of funds on city level, but I, I think that we we managed to, to deal with that thing. But in, in order to have cleaner ver versions of energy, of course, uh, more, more, more money would be needed. And uh, our priority is for it to be just. Okay, Let, let's go back to this question of how you can involve the residents in this transformation process. Uh, you just described in which way you are kind of modernizing the infrastructure that is there and uh, slowly changing also the the energy supply in in this infrastructure but how much do you and with which type of measures you actually really involve the residents to which extent do they want to be involved so we're doing a lot of um, soft measures like uh, trying to uh, teach people about importance of Uh, energy efficiency and to, to show by example as a city what we're doing to to, to increase um, our energy efficiency via premises that are owned by the city. Uh, on the other hand, we, we started uh, several years ago incentive for uh, uh, retrofitting of uh, privately owned buildings. Uh, so it's one of the projects that I'm personally uh, very proud of because citizens really took part in that project. It's 50% of the investment uh, is covered by the city and we're pay paying the supervision and the, 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 the works and the uh, owners of the flats uh, pay other 50% of the 
of the investment so uh the, the people that are not that don't have enough for that investment other residents cover their part so it's a project that it, it's really ongoing for four or five years and uh every year a lot more uh, citizens is interested because they've seen the the, the measures work on fields And did they have a say on the measures themselves or was it the city saying we need to do this or that to improve the energy performance of the buildings? Mm -hmm. we, we started the, the, the measures, so we, mm -hmm. we covered which measures would be done. On, on the other hand, every year we're doing ongoing projects of retrofitting uh, our premises. Mm -hmm. And when we talk about renewable energy, how far are people still from that? very far so, so so to be honest very far is uh, due, due to mix of, of of things that i already mentioned uh and the other hand also we don't have a lot of um uh, capacity for the renewables so we we plan uh, planning to do a strategy how to implement more renewables uh in order to uh increase the capacity of the existing system when we uh, finish the Toplanas and projects. And uh, to be honest, we we're following demographics right now because a lot of people went abroad. Uh, we have brain drain and we're trying to, to, to uh, follow the need uh, with infrastructure. And so moving from the residence level to the more political level, how big is the political commitment for renewables or at least for promoting renewables? Is that increasing? Mm -hmm. uh, we have issues regarding the lack of knowledge in, in political sense. So uh, on several... At the local level? Or in the world where, where a lot of coal power, thermal power plants are closing, Uh, the Bosnia-Herzegovina took loan for new block of thermal power plant. People in green uh, like protested and, and so on, but unfortunately uh, it was political will to vote for that. Uh, on the other hand, we are trying to convince uh, the politicians of local level to invest and trying to, to speak uh, with their language. So when, when I'm on, on the meetings with my colleagues from all around Europe, we're, we're, we're laughing and saying uh, our, our, our biggest concern is when we finish the strategy, when we finish the measures, when we come to a conclusion, when we finish all with the residents, then we need to go and present something on the city council and trying to convince them. So we have uh, different methods of convincing them with, by is it translating into their language and saying you will spare this and that money you will be like known for for the measure that you voted for etc so we were trying different methods to, to, to convince them I'm I'm even more impressed now to hear what you've already managed to do in Zenitsa, considering that the political backing is not necessarily there all the time. So it's it's really great how much you um you you push new things forward in the city. And I'm also wondering now in this in this context, what does it mean actually today to drive the energy transition? with quite ambitious targets re regarding your context, but being outside of the European Union. So you have kind of 
almost similar targets, but you you don't really have the same supportive framework than some other cities all around uh, Europe or in the European Union. Yes, biggest concern in that area is limited amount of funds that mm. we can use. So we, we we are involved in several projects in the European Union, but uh, still the public calls for some projects and project proposal is limited for the Balkans uh, countries, uh, except Croatia that is in EU. Uh, so uh, on the other hand, also uh, countries in the European Union have targets and uh, have like somewhere in their mind that they will be punished if they don't uh, succeed to fulfill the the, the, the quotes. But uh, as you've said, we were listening the same conferences, uh, reading the same IPPC directive, and we signed the Convenant of Mayors, signed a lot of the directives that are uh, in the European Union, but, but still have limited a- access to the funds and and to the pr- projects and uh, etc so there's the thing that it's it's uh, stopping us or slowing us down on the other hand we are preparing we are preparing the experts in uh, doing projects writing projects leading projects in this area and like i i think that the, the knowledge is here and the um, capacity are so so but the the, the will is there and uh, there are uh, positive sides of the of that story because we we came up with with some ideas of innovative financing that we we maybe we wouldn't do so if uh, some <laughs> amount of money was was there now for the end of the interview, because uh, it, we already come to the end now, unfortunately, I'd also love to hear from you a bit about your personal motivations in your job and how you've come to focus on that specific topic of energy and, and climate action. You don't seem to be somebody who stops thinking about energy and climate after an eight to five job. <laughs> so um, how how did you come to, to work on that topic? Yeah, by my schooling, etc., I was always interested in, in this subject. So I, I'm a mechanical engineer, but with fulfillment in environmental protection. And even though I, I, I finished <laughs> the, the faculty writing and calculating the emissions and the filters, etc., uh, my way working in city administration and both in, in, in university went uh, to this side because my personal will due to aware of danger and due to floods heavy floods that were here uh, devastating in 2014 and the my knowledge and awareness of the danger and the, the fact that we're all in this together like when i spoke with our problems my colleague from denmark that is very higher in in fulfilling some some points uh, was very concerned for, for the world for the climate for the uh, increase in uh, temperatures uh, we're all in this together like same in 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 covid so uh, my wish is to leave the impact here in in the small country and small city uh, in both theory and praxis because when you move to, to one point whether it's university or or something i think that you 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 lose the sense with the with the praxis with the uh, 
situation on the field that people are sometimes aware but don't have a lot of money to in invest or to implement some measures and and so on so i i i'm <laughs> still young and i i think that uh by the end of my uh, career i think we will be uh doing more and and fulfilling more i'm quite sure you will i i thank you so much yakuta for your energy and your so positive attitude i think the challenge is quite big and i i hear that zinitsa is struggling with a number of of issues from from air pollution to to poverty and the question of how we can improve uh, political capacities uh, so that the energy transition is really taken seriously at all levels but i'm i'm sure with people like you things will will go at the right speed or at least you're the one who's who's pushing and um, I hear that you're very much connected with the ground, so that also helps uh, to understand what is needed and then to probably translate it towards politicians so that they know what needs to be done. So um, thanks a lot. Thank you, Miriam, also. And thank you for all the listeners, of course. Today's episode was brought to you by the EU project Empower. Empower explores how cities and citizens can manage the energy transition together in a fair, clean and democratic way. Participation can happen at various stages, from involving citizens, local NGOs or businesses in the policy design, to any stage of the energy value chain, for example, as shareholders or even prosumers. The Empower project gets funding from the European Horizon 2020 program. Go to the website municipalpower.org to learn more about Empower. And don't forget to regularly check out Energy Cities website energy-cities.eu. We provide you with political updates and great stories around the energy transition in Europe. energy-cities.eu